it's really important to consider investing in emerging markets. And from a time frame perspective, now is the time. Do it in a sensible way and participate consistently. That's Alison Shimada, head of the Total Emerging Market Equity Team here at Allspring. I'm Joseph Dorr, head of International Consult Relations at Allspring, and welcome to Spring Talk. As you may have heard from our previous episode, with the new name Spring Talk, we trust our listeners hear connotations of what being Allspring is all about. Fresh, new perspectives. We're taking a new approach to investing, elevating investing to be worth more. As you'll hear in future episodes, and certainly today, everyone's voice at Allspring is important. And there's one particular voice that is very important to today's episode. That person is you, Alison Shimada. Welcome to Spring Talk. Thank you, Joe. It's nice to be here. So, Alison, uh, you've joined us today to talk all things emerging markets. And we've rather provocatively titled this podcast, Emerging Markets, Keeping the Faith. So that should give listeners a sense of the debate that's in store today, shouldn't it, Alison? Yes, definitely. We're going to dive right in. And I think it's fair to acknowledge that those clients who have stuck with emerging market equities over the last decade or so, it's been, you know, quite the ride and probably hasn't always been easy to keep the faith. Mm -hmm. So, Alison, I'm going to ask you to take a few steps back, get off the ride and remind our listeners of the simple strategic case for investing in emerging market equities. Yeah, I think we have to acknowledge that it's been difficult for emerging markets for the last decade or so. And, you know, the thing is that the U.S. has just been extraordinarily strong and people have logically stuck with that asset class in particular. So I think that what you've ended up with is emerging markets looking extremely well valued and underpriced compared to the U.S. You know, it's selling at about 12 to 13 times P.E. versus the U.S. at 20 now. And I think it's really worthwhile at this point in time to think about some diversification away from the U.S. And it's not an either or scenario. Both can do well. You know, really, I mean, the U.S. has done extremely well, but also emerging markets can also do well. There's less concentration risk if you think about other asset classes. So I really think it's a great, great time to talk about this. But all things considered then, how do we actually end up getting here then, Alison? So investors, as you say, have spent many, many years watching the U.S. returns in DM outpace those of EM. So can you walk us through what's actually happened here over the last decade? What has caused the actual client portfolio experience to be quite different to the strategic case you so nicely outlined, Alison. Yeah, I think what has really happened is that this massive outperformance of a small group of stocks in the U.S., rightly called the Magnificent Seven, which is really dominated by tech sector stocks. And this has really been a very strong trend. And after 10 years of quantitative easing, there's a lot of funding in the U.S. for tech stocks, the tech industry, emerging companies as well. But, you know, you can't always have that much concentration. It's just not healthy. So most in 30 years, you know, it does lead eventually sometimes to bubbles and overbuying. It leads to things like NFTs and even unregulated areas. So it's not great. And, you know, we always look below the 30,000 foot view for interesting companies in emerging markets, of which there are many. Great. Can you just give us an example of a stock that your team really like from a process perspective right now? Yeah, I can. There is a company in India that is a wealth management company. And as we talk about improving demographics, just like China had 20 to 25 years ago, we see a lot of Indians moving into the middle class and even up to the upper middle class, and they need their money to be managed by someone. So we've met with the CEO of this company who has seen tremendous demand 
for people who own their own businesses or family-run businesses, they're moving assets from fixed assets like property and businesses into financial assets. Um, like the stock market or other types of financial assets. And these financial advisors help people and give them consulting. And that is something that I think that Indians will embrace going forward. Yep. From everything you said at this point, you're certainly convincing me, Alison. Hopefully you're convincing our listeners too. <laughs> so if investors do agree with you and decide now is the time to move into EM, what should they actually do, Alison? Can you give us our audience members some actionable thoughts of how to actually implement this? Yes. Well, I think that in other asset classes, like developed markets in particular, that ETFs really serve the purpose of investment and, you know, in the long term, accessing a good number of companies. But I think in emerging markets where you have 24 countries, you really need active management. You know, there's a lot of things involved in not just one country, but 24. And that means sentiment, elections, geopolitical risk. And stock selection is really the key in this environment. So don't be scared to hear that. It means that really the people who know what to do about this know it's an opportunity. And, you know, in our case, we have people who understand the on the ground attitudes. They're team members who've come from these markets, speak the languages of the region, have access to domestic information and have an accurate macro view, in the end, it's really stock selection that matters the most in conjunction with the portfolio manager's views. So I hear a few things there from you, Alison. I hear opportunity. I hear the need for active management. Mm -hmm. I'm going to hit on one particular thing. So we've got the Fed indicating that they may ease this year. Um, so is that in itself a potential catalyst for emerging markets? If it does happen, tip the scales towards, yes, now is the time to move into EM. Yes, it's a very big indicator, and people are looking for that, not only with regards to the U.S. market performance, but emerging markets as well. Because, you know, interestingly, emerging markets countries, many of which were earlier than the Fed in raising rates and are now poised to come down as well. And the dollar has been strong and the strength of tech sector has been overwhelming. There hasn't been a lot of need to go overseas, but if the U.S. starts to come down in rates then people will look elsewhere for alpha generation in other asset classes like emerging markets. EM currencies will do better. And historically, that's a scenario whereby the country's stock markets also do well. So, you know, we're looking for that signaling and it's coming in the second half is our belief. It's coming. You heard it from Alison. So um, I'm going to go back to something we spoke about earlier, Alison. You mentioned the concentration of the US stock market. I know something about you that perhaps not all our listeners know about you is that you are a strong believer of learning from emerging market history. Mm -hmm. So with your fine knowledge of EM history, is there anything we can learn from EM on what is happening right now with the concentration in the Magnificent Seven? Definitely. When the market in the U.S. and globally, when investors expect the U.S. Fed to ease, it's definitely a tailwind. If you look at the data, it's very helpful to emerging markets. In 2023 alone, there were spurts of time when the market thought that, you know, the Fed was going to actually lower rates. And immediately there was a response from emerging markets as well. And everything turned green. Now, the thing is, at the end of 2023, we've already seen some movement towards this. So the markets have built in some of this expectation already. And I think that it will continue once you see much stronger conviction that rates are going to come down. Perfect. We've actually got to this stage of the podcast and we haven't actually touched on one big topic. You guessed that. That topic is China. So 
we've now actually entered the Lunar New Year. Mm-hmm. So China is potentially the dragon in the room here. <laughs> so what are your thoughts as a team here, Alison? Is your team currently a China bull or a China bear right now? We really think short term that the market is extremely oversold. And you could see quite a strong movement upwards in the short term. I think the intermediate and longer term really depends a little bit on the government's ability to change the sentiment in the country with regards to the stock market and also the ability to formulate good fiscal policy and monetary policy. So policy is a a key catalyst in the longer term, but I do think it's very interesting. Money has been moving into China since the end of last year. And it's just like the U.S., very dynamic, but aging in terms of demographics. Now China's following the same pattern. And behind that will be India 20 years from now. So, you know, every country goes through the same process of development. Great. So I think uh, keeping the faith in China is certainly also important there. Yes. Okay. I'm going to try and wrap things up, but you've got a bit more to do for us. So we must also, you know, consider risks as well as opportunity as we usually do. And to bring this concept to life, I'm going to talk about black and white swans in emerging markets in 2024. So black swans, events that uh, come as a potential surprise or white swans, which uh, can be more easily forecasted or predicted. So let me go through everything that's going on. We've got half the world going to election uh, this year population-wise, a stat which blows my mind. Clearly, a lot of those elections taking place in emerging markets. We've got major supply disruptions going on, not to mention escalating global conflict. So with all of those macro forces, Alison, can you share with our audience members some black, but also potentially some white swans which your team is looking at? I would say that last year in 2023, there were a lot more black swans at that point than I feel like there are now. So, you know, we we know that there are a lot of elections, although we can anticipate what the outcome of many of those elections are. So with that, as long as you have some visibility or can make a reasonable estimate of what's going to happen, there shouldn't be massive disruption, at least at the stock market level. And so, you know, last year you could have said Ukraine, Russia, now the issues in the Middle East could have had a very severe impact, but we're not allowed to invest in Russia. It's not part of emerging markets anymore. And all the other areas of conflict also, we don't invest in them directly. So I think that that's all manageable. I think with white swans, it would be India because, you know, there's such a high um, support of the current leadership of the current government, which has done a fantastic job on an economics level. We're very positive about India. But we feel that a lot of the emerging markets, aside from China, are really interesting. Brazil, there's been a recent election, but it's very easy to understand what the agenda is there. India, South Korea, all these major markets are very important. And I think that the outcome of any election plus the economy itself is quite stable. Nice. I think I heard more white swans than black swans there, which is definitely good for our listeners to hear. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we are actually nearly at the end. Alison, today you've reminded our listeners of the strategic case for investing in emerging market equity, which has been all too easily forgot amongst recent volatility. You have clearly told our listeners to keep the faith, if already, in EM. And for those not currently in emerging markets, you've asked them to potentially take a leap of faith of what could actually happen going forward. I have one final task for you, I promise, which is you've spoken about a huge amount of things today, Alison, but please give our listeners one or two key takeaways which you want to leave our audience members today. Yeah, I think, number one, that it's really important to consider investing in emerging markets. And from a time frame perspective, now is the time. 
not when it's peaking, not when it's already up 20 or 30%, but now is a great time because it's not moving that much yet. But it will if, as we've discussed, rates start to come down, the dollar starts to weaken, things will start to happen. Number two is I think pick a strong framework and do it with an active managed team. So a strong framework is consider, for example, what we're doing, which is all shareholder returns, including buybacks, spinoffs, and cash dividends are considered. Why not collect everything? That's half of the return over time. So, you know, do it in a sensible way and participate consistently. Now is a great time. Okay. So thanks again, Alison Shimada. We do appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thanks as always to our listeners. You've been listening to Spring Talk today. I'm Joseph Dorr, and we will see you next time. Thank you. Visit allspringglobal.com to receive more market insights and investment perspectives from Allspring Global Investments. To hear the latest from our thought leaders on the ever-changing investment landscape, you can subscribe to the program on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening and joining us on the road to investing elevated. This material is provided for informational purposes only and is for professional, institutional, or qualified clients, investors, not for retail use outside the U.S. This material does not constitute an offer or solicitation and in any case is not intended to be used in any jurisdiction or to any person where it would be unauthorized or unlawful to do so. Allspring Global Investments, Allspring, is the trade name for the asset management companies of Allspring Global Investments Holdings, LLC, a holding company indirectly owned by certain private funds of GTCR, LLC, and Reverence Capital Partners, LP. Unless otherwise stated, Allspring is the source of all data, which is current or as of the date stated. Past performance is not a guarantee or reliable indicator of future results. All investments contain risk. Content is provided for informational purposes only with no representation regarding its adequacy, accuracy, or completeness and should not be relied upon. Views, opinions, assumptions, or estimates are not necessarily that of Allspring and are subject to change without notice. And this communication does not contain investment advice, an investment recommendation, or investment research as defined under local regulation of the respective jurisdiction. Diversification does not ensure or guarantee better performance and cannot eliminate the risk of investment losses. The Magnificent Seven stocks are a group of high-performing and influential companies in the U.S. stock market. Alphabet, Amazon, Apple, Meta Platforms, Microsoft, NVIDIA, and Tesla. Copyright 2024. Allspring Global Investments Holdings, LLC. All rights reserved. February 2024.